2022 was a big year for Clarksville and Montgomery County. Clarksville now editor-in-chief Chris Smith joins Charlie and Katie for a look back at the biggest news stories in the area for 2022. Looking back on a big year on this episode of Clarksville's Conversation. Charlie, there's a lot that's happened in our community this past year, so I'm excited that Chris Smith, editor of Clarkson Now, decided to join us so we can talk about the top 10 stories in 2022, because it's been busy, hasn't it? It has been busy, and I'm glad to join you guys. Luckily, it was just a short walk down the hall. Right. Yeah, we didn't have to, like, go way out of our way, huh? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I I love that Chris is here working with you. I do, too. He brings that real element of reporting, and he's got history here in Clarksville. So when he says these are the top 10 things for the year, news stories for the year, you better believe it. Well, Chris didn't just like pick them himself. He looks at all the (laughs) analytics. He's very analytical. He looks at all the analytics and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, We've reported on a lot of news in Clarksville now over the last year, and I literally did go back through our monthly page view reports to see which stories had the most pages. I know you did. Now, that's not necessarily what this is because the, um, you know, oftentimes page views are driven by Chaos and mayhem, and, you know, we get tired of talking about chaos and mayhem. But these are the stories that um, were most important and are likely to have a huge impact going forward as well. Yeah, I like that. So start with number 10. Number 10. Um, Number 10 story uh, was the Wings of Liberty Museum. Um, This is something that we've been talking about for, gosh, like 20 years now, Mm -hmm. Charlie? How long has this project been going on? Well over 20 and the idea is, you know, Clarksville, it's where we've got Fort Campbell right here in our backyard. And that sounds great and exciting. Hunter First Airborne, the storied thing. But people come to our community expecting to see something Fort Campbell. Uh, and, but now we finally actually have that. There's been a small museum on post, mm-hmm. but hard to get to and not a lot there. This would be an actual destination where people would travel from around the country to go to the Wings of Liberty Museum here in Montgomery County. You know, that's something that I've always thought was interesting when you're thinking about Fort Campbell and the history there with the 101st Airborne mm-hmm. that, I mean, we do have monuments and we have things that honor our soldiers, mm-hmm. men and women, but there was never any one big thing that would, I mean, attract tourists. I mean, you might have had someone's grandpa that was stormed Normandy, but they want to come to the museum. Mm-hmm. Like, this is something that... Is going to bring people just because of the history of Fort Campbell. Right, right. And I found it interesting that yeah. we haven't had that until now. Yeah, and uh, you know, a lot of our community leaders, like Chris is talking about, for years have been promoting and encouraging this, and now the state has stepped up with some funding. So that's going to help. They're still, they still need some more money, but once this thing is done, it is going to be amazing. Hey, Chris, right. have you ever been out to the one right now on Fort Campbell and toured it? The, no, I've not been to that. And so the, the, it's the Pratt Museum? Or yeah. Pratt, Pratt Museum. Yeah. 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 Pratt Museum. Even though it's small and it's just like a drop in the bucket to what this thing's going to be, it is interesting. It's small mm-hmm. but mighty. There's it is some, mighty. There's some really good stuff in there. And so you basically take that yeah. and put it on steroids. Yeah. And that's what this is going to be. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It, because you don't even realize the history and mm-hmm. the things that the 101st and the other divisions out there have done until you go through yeah. there and you're like, yeah. wow, I had no idea that that was us. Yeah. And the advantage here is this is going to have aircraft. Mm-hmm. It's going to have you know historic aircraft that was yeah. actually there yeah. um, in mm-hmm. Normandy and you know and then on through um, you know and models and everything. So the state put in a grant for twenty million dollars um, toward this this year. 
Um, and I think it's a seventy some million dollar project yeah, total. Yeah. And they're so they're a long way now. Then now they're you know comparatively down to pocket change of like ten million off to, yeah. to get this done. Yeah, they're getting really close. Um, so they can so they're going to have groundbreaking on that um, in May. Is the oh, plan? Oh, awesome! Yeah. Um, and then an anticipated opening in twenty twenty five. Oh, I'll be so there. I can't wait. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So and the cool thing about this one study has anticipated this is going to draw three hundred fifty thousand visitors a year. Yeah. So think of the economic impact that's going to have on mm-hmm. North Clarksville. You know, that oh, yeah. strip of Fort Campbell Boulevard yeah. that has been, you know, some kind of not great mm-hmm. retail and mm-hmm. payday loan the operations. The restaurants, and, all the right, yeah. this hotels. Is going to, yeah. You know, this places like this in other communities have convention centers next to them. Oh, that's true. They have major hotels next mm-hmm. to them to accommodate all the visitors that are going to come in. So any smart investors out there looking to um, figure out a place to uh, invest their money. North yeah. Clarksville is probably about to be a great place you know, to do it. it. It's right there where Tiny Town meets um, Fort Campbell Boulevard, right. mm-hmm. and it's designed so you don't have to have a pass you to get, get on the, the installation. Outside, yeah. Yeah, Anybody so. can just drop in. You don't have to go yeah. to Gate 4. Yeah. Well, it's, it's cool. definitely going to be a great addition to our community. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, next on my list, story number nine, charter schools failing their first test. Um, so uh, Bill Lee campaigned on um, the idea of uh, bringing charter schools to Tennessee as an alternative to public education, which has, you know, mm-hmm. often has a lot of problems. And um, it's an interesting idea when done right in a lot of different communities. Um, one of the odd things that happened on the way there was um, there was an interview. Um, well, not, yeah, it was this public speaking engagement where the president of Hillsdale College um, was uh, basically said while sitting next to Bill Lee some untoward things about public education and public school teachers, which oh. sort of cast a pall over the whole initiative right as it was being rolled out. So the idea is that each community's school board has to approve the charter schools, make sure that they are acceptable, that they meet the standards in their communities. And the first three out the gate were Clarksville and Montgomery, I'm sorry, Murfreesboro and uh, Jackson. Uh, and in all three communities, they rejected the initial charter school applications, some of which were um, sponsored by the or, or affiliated with the uh, college that, that president made those comments with. Um, so it became controversial really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, but in Clarksville, um, they said that those comments, while they were insulting, that wasn't the reason that they turned down the charter schools. Moral story, though. you got to be careful who's listening. you got to be careful what you're saying and who's yeah. listening. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, uh, so the, they said that that didn't influence their decision. There were a lot of reasons why they turned down the application. The, the organization was asking for 19 waivers from state law. And if you're asking for that many waivers, mm-hmm. there's probably a problem. What does that mean what, when you're asking for waivers for state law? Well, the state has certain guidelines. They say, if, okay. okay, if you're going to be a charter school, you've got to do X, Y, Z, ding-a-ding-a-ding. And these, um, the, uh, this particular charter school, I think it was, um, Academy, I can't remember the exact name, um, but they um, were trying to get waivers from those, saying, "Okay, here's 50 guidelines that we're required to meet." But we well, don't meet those. We want waivers from 19 of those guidelines. Mm. Uh, yeah. That's that's not really especially kosher. when you're like protecting our children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. If, so I mean, if charter schools are going to work, they need to work the right way. <clears throat> and um, this particular um, charter school was, was affiliated with Hilldale. Um, mm-hmm. Wasn't really. I'm doing it the right way. But the, when um, you say affiliate with Hildale, are we talking about our Hildale? No, 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 no. Okay, different it's, Hildale. Um, it's a, um, yeah, Hillsdale College okay. is the name of the uh, okay. college system. Just I to make sure I understood in, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not in Tennessee, and um, but they are the ones who have been sort of backing 
um, one particular set of charter schools, uh, American Classical Academy is the, the, the name I was looking for. Okay. Um, that, and that American Classical Academy was trying to establish charter schools in Clarksville, um, Murfreesboro, and Jackson. They tried okay. all three places. Interesting. Yeah. So just so I understand, a charter school, me, it, so that I will get vouchers if I want to send my kid to that school. Is that how that That's works? That's the idea. Okay. That's the idea. So it's sort of an experimental school in some ways. Mm-hmm. The idea is let's um, look outside the box of public mm-hmm. education and establish a school that meets certain needs or takes a certain approach. Um, American Classical Academy was looking to use the classical education model uh, which is an interesting thing in homeschooling yeah. um, mm-hmm. that a lot of people have tried. And it's a neat idea, and it can work. Um, and, but, so, but you kind of have to work outside the public school system to try out some of these ideas. Gotcha. So it's a valid you know, approach to education. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, so, but the problem is that they're getting their funding um, from taxpayer support rather than being a private school. And that is why our school, that's why our school board gets to vote on that. That's, and that's why the school board gets involved. Makes sense. Do you know what I wish we'd teach in school? It has nothing to do Civics. with this. No, we do teach that. Cursive. No, cur- cursive, yes. I do wish we get back to teaching that. But I think that our, at the high school level, we need to learn more about financial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, yeah. you know, like I wish I knew more. So I think that that could, anyway. I wish I'd know more before I ruined my credit score in college. That's what I'm talking about. Or even stocks and bonds and how that works. And Mm -hmm. I just wish that they would teach a little bit more of that. So just for two cents while we're talking about that. Well, we need a a Katie Gamble Charter School of Financial Literacy. Yeah, I went into it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a perfect name. Just rolls right off the The problem is I don't know much myself. So, okay. All right. Um, Item eight, uh, juvenile crime boils into outrage. Um, Mm -hmm. We had several juvenile crime issues pop up in 2022. Um, there were some carjackings, but the, then even on a lower end of the scale, we had a lot of violence in the schools um, where kids were fighting in the hallways. I mean, mm-hmm. it seemed like every month there was something happening when it came to juvenile crime. And that sort of brought to the forefront an effort that's been going on for a while to build a juvenile detention center uh, in Montgomery County. Um, right now, when we have a problem uh, with a juvenile, um, they're sent to um, Columbia or Sevierville. Mm-hmm. Imagine sending kids to Sevierville. Um, to, uh, and, and these are things that need to happen within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So we don't have a facility like that that can help um, to, in these situations. What was interesting was during the election cycle for the August elections, people shifted the way we talk about it. And instead of it being a juvenile detention center, it's now being called the juvenile resource center. And I think what people started to realize who've been backing this idea is it can't just be a jail for kids. Right. It needs to be a place to provide intervention, a place to rehabilitation, rehabilitation, uh, where we can step in and intercede when there's a problem and try to help these families. There's even Mm -hmm. been talk about a facility such as this providing help for foster care situations and mm-hmm. DCS situations. So, so when a kid is removed from a home, they're not sent immediately to foster care, but maybe given a, a room at a juvenile resource center. So they're not um, scrambling and being thrown on somebody's couch in the middle of the night, but actually have a more organized, yeah. safe place to, to be. Put. You know, the other day when we listened to Mayor Golden talking about this, he mentioned an aspect of it that I hadn't even considered and that was, um, you know, when you send a child to Sevierville, I mean, there's a lot of families that can't go visit. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that that puts, you know, pain and hardship on the families, but not only the kids. I mean, yeah, you, some may argue, well, you know, 
they messed up, whatever. But that doesn't help a young kid mm-hmm. get better by punishing them emotionally. Right, right. I mean, it, it, these are children we're talking That's about. That's right. That's and, right. You know, we are we the kind of country and community where we throw our children in prison? Mm-mm. They're children. And that's so, what you so do we, when you take them to, out of the family unit. Right. And so we need a smarter solution to that. I mean, if it was mm-hmm. your kid and they did something stupid, would you really want your child to be thrown into the American prison system for the rest of their lives? No. Nope. No, we need, we need rehabilitation. We need to find ways to help these families work through their problems and, you know, and rehabilitate these kids to make them a good member of society, yeah. you know? Well, and even from a business perspective, if you're looking at it as a business person, it costs this country much less to rehabilitate them than keep them in the criminal system exactly. for the rest of their life, which is what happens when mm-hmm. they get thrown into that situation. Yep. Right. If you're worried about what your taxpayer money is going to, mm-hmm. consider the Think amount long-term. of cost it takes mm-hmm. to put somebody in jail. Mm-hmm. You are basically, you're, you're spending huge amounts of money. If we stopped incarcerating everybody, we could save a lot of taxpayer money. Well, it's hard enough being a teenager, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, this is, uh, I think I mentioned you off thing. Katie Olita and I visited with all the judges several years ago when we were studying the city charter, and this was an issue they brought up back then. Mm. They said it was the number one issue that needed to happen. Mm. It's been a long time coming. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, agreed. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so the we're look, right now um, government officials, county officials are looking at land for a juvenile resource center. They've not mentioned where, have they? They have not. Well, there has been some mention of possibly locating it downtown, which have, has gotten some pushback. I think I heard um, some about exit 11 at one point, too. Yeah, so there's, there's yeah. a variety of ways to handle it, and there's pros and cons of each one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the families who might have children in this system need to be able to access the facility. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to put it out in the middle of nowhere in Montgomery County, that's going to that's not going to be accessible to the bus system, for example. Mm. So oh, yeah, good if, point. if you want to try to reconnect these kids with their families and make sure they're in a stable home, you don't want to necessarily tear that down by throwing it out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Or provide them, I mean, some of those kids don't have a stable home, providing them the resources they need, those doctors, whoever, counselors need to be available. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, item eight. Nope, that was item eight. Um, item seven, uh, Kirkwood campus opening. Um, the Kirkwood Middle School opened in 2022. Um, the, uh, well, yeah, it was in 2020. It was fall of 2022. So that was the first school on a three-school campus, which is the first three-school campus we've had, what, since um, Man, since Rossview? That's what I was going to say, Rossview. Yeah. yeah. Oh, West Creek. West Creek was a three-school uh, well, campus. Okay. Yeah, um, I believe. Um, the uh, Y'all can correct me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> later no, later. I'm pretty sure it was Rossview. But, um, but yeah, so it's a three-school campus. It started with uh, Kirkwood, and um, then uh, Kirkwood High School is going to open in August 2023, and Kirkwood Elementary is going to open in August 2024. Um, the cool thing about this is, you know, the, the biggest area of need um, in, when it comes to population and getting a school available is in that Rossview area. Um, mm-hmm. And when I first heard they were going to be building a school at that area, I thought, well, what are we going to do here? Because as far as um, trying to maintain um, the quality of education that we have, one of the neat things about our school system is if you look at the zoning maps, it's mostly set up in a pie. Mm-hmm. Um, so you pull from uh, downtown areas, you pull from low-income areas um, to have diversity of economics and diversity of race and diversity of social class mm-hmm. in each of our um, schools for the most part. 
Um, and that's really good because kids need to to be around that economic and social and ethnic diversity. Oh yeah, I agree. Um, but uh, what the cool thing about the way they did Kirkwood, you know, they didn't just pull from Rossview; they pulled from that Rossview area around Farmington, um, but also from Northeast. So we're going to maintain that diversity. Northeast. Um, yeah. So yeah. did they go like up and over? Is that mm-hmm. how they did? Okay. Yeah, because it's going to pull from literally the Northeast area of Montgomery uh-huh. County. Okay, like exit one area? Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. So that way we're going to be able to maintain some of the economic diversity on yeah. our schools, which is mm-hmm. one of the hallmarks of our education system here sure. in the county. And That's that cool. one kind of leads into the next story. Yes, um, because right next door to Kirkwood is um, the Killebrew. This is um, um, our sixth top story of the year. Um, the Killebrew is a planned community um, that's going to be um, that's being built uh, right next to the um, Kirkwood campus. Um, and right after our story published, we got news that the Killebrew is being named Marcelina. Do we um, know why they changed it? I don't know. And I was talking to a group of people about this the other day, and they didn't know either. Yeah. So. Um, I assume it's some beautiful woman out there. It's named probably Marcelina. some, and maybe some family used <laughs> yeah. to live out there. Someone's grandma or yeah. something. I don't yeah, know. it's so, a beautiful name. So yeah, so uh, reader, you know, uh, listeners, call in or uh, shoot me an email if you know why it's called Marcelina, and we'll get <laughs> to right. the bottom of this. They're going to have issues with their web page because nobody can spell it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it was this was not without controversy um, as people were talking about this uh, the county commission meeting. Uh, One neighbor called it a, quote, utopian mixed-use community based on the crowded Atlanta suburbs or the areas around Disney World. So Um, being a planned community, that means it's going to have grocery stores, all the stuff Mm -hmm. there. You don't have to leave that community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the idea is to have a completely walkable community Mm -hmm. um, where all of your your schools are right next door. There's going to be a private school there. Clarksville Christian School is going to relocate their campus uh, to this facility. Okay. Yes, I forgot about that. Um, yeah. You know, they're talking about having their own library, um, uh, basically everything being very walkable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right there, just like any community really should be. Just a s- smaller, scaled down yep. version. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Interesting thing is, um, you know, we're very, uh, it's awkward that um, Montgomery County has only Clarksville. You know, like Sumner right. County has eight municipalities. Um, you know, it, it, It'd be interesting to see what happens with this. If this could be incorporated. Could it end up being an incorporated community? There's, It's going to be 1,300 homes. So w- being its own community, in, I would assume that in order for, because it's obviously going to have its own utilities, but would it have to have its own police department, its own fire? Yeah, it would have to yeah. eventually, wouldn't it? You would think. Yeah. Interesting. It's going to be pretty far out there to, to not at, have its own police department. But know? will it have its own fire department? Because it's in the county right now, or will that be volunteer? Yeah. That's that's an interesting issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you build that far out. You know, we're used to sprawl, and sprawl is one thing, but this is mm-hmm. sprawl. You know, highly concentrated sprawl. Because one of the issues, I mean, the volunteer. We have a wonderful volunteer fire department, mm-hmm. but one of the bigger issues in the county is fire hydrants. Mm-hmm. That's right. There's not places for them to hook up. They have to have all the fire, you know, water mm-hmm. trucks and so forth. And they're all volunteers. Mm-hmm. So you know, um, I know Mayor Durrett for a while there was um, trying to make sure we to, to get. That's to a level of paid fire service. Yeah. And um, that's been an ongoing issue that if you're going to have communities out there like this, I mean, they really need to be served by professional firefighters, not just me and Charlie and, and Katie yeah. getting, getting a phone call in the middle of the night. Hey, put on your. Uh, yeah. Helping your someone fire, answers. Put on the your fo- fire pants and your yeah. helmet and go. Hoping oh, someone yeah. answers the phone and the, the truck with the waters parked there. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, they'll have to figure out something because. 
not having that level of fire and any type of first responder, I mean, insurance prices are a little higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should be interesting for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and item five, Hunter First Airborne deploying to Ukraine. So, um, you know, it's interesting in, uh, in Clarksville when we have, you know, most other cities, when uh, something happens on the world stage, you kind of, huh, that's interesting. You kind of move along. But in Montgomery County, it hits home because mm-hmm. if something big happens on the world stage, Hunter First Airborne sooner or later is going to be involved. That's you know, exactly right. Some way. Yeah, it's, it's um, something to be proud of. When I first moved here, which was 15 years ago, uh, we were still at war, you know, and we, you don't realize that you're still at war until you live in a community that supports the military so much. Mm-hmm. Like the rest of the country, you know, they just see that 101st or probably Army deploying to Ukraine. They don't understand yeah. how much it just hits home. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, there's, there's a level of prestige with the 101st when they go somewhere and people see that Screaming Eagle patch. Mm-hmm. They know the United States are there to support them, and mm-hmm. I, I think that makes a big difference. You know, and um, I'm no expert on uh, the military or on international affairs, but I thought it was really interesting when the 101st got there, one of the first things they did was a major uh, exercise. Yes. Uh, which I, I, I think exercise was an interesting euphemism for – Showing you guys exactly how powerful yeah. we are, and if you yeah. mess with us, we're going to rain this hell down on your we're, head. We're prepared. You know? Yeah, we're prepared. Yeah, it was. Yep. Yeah. Don't mess with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see the um, item four: um, sidewalks at schools uh, trumping downtown parking. So the um, school system, it, partly in reaction to the shortage of bus drivers, tightened up their parental responsibility zones. Which is a fancy way of saying more kids are going to have to walk to school because we're not going to send buses one block away to pick kids up. Mm -hmm. So they're going to need to walk. Um, So one block, I'm exaggerating. But but basically, you know, if you're close to Mm -hmm. school, you need to walk to school. So, um, but when they released the maps of what these parental responsibility zones were going to be, several people started calling us at Clarksville Now saying, this is crazy. I'm not sending my kid to walk that. Um, and one of the main ones we got several calls about was um, Sango Road. Um, so I went out there and walked it from one of the neighborhoods um, to Sango mm-hmm. Elementary School. And there was a path on Sango Road about 50 feet long where I had to get on the road in right. order to walk it. There was literally no way. There was a barbed wire fence on one side of the road and a deep ditch covered in rocks and trees on the other. Um, and you know, I'm not a five-year-old. I'm a 50-year-old. <laughs> well, I run yeah, out there, so I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's not just that. I mean, if you look at even more right smack in the middle of town, um, you know, you look at Carmel out there mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. You know, we're talking elementary school kids. Yeah, well, eight-year-olds, yeah. you know. And, you know, it's 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 not that big of a deal to have kids walk to school, but they got to have a safe way to get to school. Exactly. And, um, and it's an unfortunate thing of how fast Clarksville has grown. You know, growth has good things and bad things. Um, one of the bad things about growing really fast is if you're, um, if you're growing as a automobile car community mm-hmm. and you're not thinking about the fact that people need to be able to walk. Um, and so we don't have the sidewalks that we ought to have in Clarksville. And, uh, and families know this and they're, you know, and it was in, what happened um, eventually was that in the city budget, um, the mayor had proposed building a parking deck for $6 million um, next to public square. So many people were upset about the sidewalks issue around the schools that the council ended up yanking that $6 million and forcing it to be redirected toward um, solving these sidewalk issues 
around the schools. Yeah. Um, which, so will like Sango Elementary get sidewalks out there? Well, Sango is outside the city limits. Okay. That's, um, but Mayor Golden um, has talked about working with the school system. I think they have addressed um, okay. that area, but um, about finding solutions for the um, county schools as well. But in the city, um, there's whole neighborhoods that have been built. Literally, at least two situations, they showed the maps, at least two situations, a subdivision development was built directly next to a school. Probably Glen Ellen would be one. But there's no way to walk from that subdivision to the school because there's no connectivity um, Mm -hmm. behind the roads, and you cannot walk on the road itself. I think one is Trenton Road, maybe one was Needmore Road, Mm. where it's set up that way. So would it be West Creek? I'd have to go but back and look at it. But I think there's sidewalks out there now because of the greenways out there. Yeah, well, the, the, what they've done is they've taken that $6 million and identified 13 projects where okay. they can literally create a 50-foot Connected. sidewalk in between yeah. the neighborhood and the school and clear some brush and fill in a ravine or whatever. Good. I think and, that's um, good, too. And, and, and get some right-of-way from, you know, to walk in between people's houses mm-hmm. and um, be able to, to make it walkable. And yeah. um, so that's, that's going to help a lot. Well, I know there was some controversy over that because then there was also controversy over parking downtown. Mm-hmm. So I know that there that there was a lot of controversy over. Yeah, that and and I think it speaks to there are things that we really need to do to improve downtown. There are certain things we need to do to improve, you know, our to to make our community, you know, improve our quality of life. But when it comes right down to it, um, there's a lot of things that are really important to a lot of people um, in their neighborhoods, and sidewalks being one of them. And you've really got to listen to them and make sure their needs are being met before we focus on, um, or at least as we focus on more big picture stuff. Yep. Does that you make know, sense? though, I might say something really unpopular. I don't know. Because I, I do realize that the school system has a bus sh- driver shortage. I get that. Mm-hmm. And I understand that they had to make a decision. Mm-hmm. But when you're making that decision, they had to know that some of these kids were going to be walking on these roads. How can you make that kind of decision knowing that? Yeah, I mean that to me. It seems like if I'm going to make it, if I'm going to put that out there, we're no longer going to do this. There needs to be a. They need to have some type of solution themselves. Yeah. Well, one of the things they said. This was announced in May, and when they made that announcement, they said that they would um, look at exceptions in order to make sure that everybody was able to walk safely okay. from school. And so they, yeah. they were they're willing to make exceptions. I'm just saying but, somebody had to think that through. Yeah, yeah. You know? But but if you look back at it, it's like, well, why are we building schools without building sidewalks all around the schools? Well, mm-hmm. how did that even ever happen? Now, it takes a lot. Part of the problem is school systems doing one thing. The county is one entity. The city is another entity. City, city generally is responsible for Developers sidewalks. are building si- Developers yeah. are building si- So it gets very complicated in a hurry. But it seems like we ought to have a goal in mind anytime we build a school as a wider community, sidewalks should be all over around every school that we build. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe we do for moving forward. Now. And that takes a lot of a lot of interplay mm-hmm. and co- collaboration yeah. between city, county, developers, private business, retail, everything. You know? mm-hmm. so it's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so um, item three. Um, F&M Bank Arena, uh, we were just talking about parking garage downtown um, and the Double Tree by Hilton. So we had a lot of news in 2022 um, surrounding the F&M Bank Arena. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of, and basically the arena was mostly built in 2022. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so the, uh, the, and the, we found out that the Riverview Inn, which this has been rumored for a while, um, is going to be renovated um, to be a Double Tree by Hilton, which is incredible. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to be a great hotel. Do we know Somewhere. when they're going to start that? 
Um, I believe they're supposed to do groundbreaking in the next few weeks. Okay, that quickly on the um, hmm. on the parking garage, and um, and I th- I know they've cleared out a lot of the stuff inside the hotel. They had a huge fire sale of all the yeah. furniture. Yeah. Um, Actually, they several they. Ago. And I'm saying kudos. Well, I say first donation. I'm sorry. That's what I was going to yeah. say. I was going to say kudos to them because I know that they actually donated a lot of that stuff to charities yep. and stuff, yep. which I think speaks volumes for the Han family. Just, you know, the, they could have sold it, but instead they sent it out to help. I'd say the next year and a half down in that area is going to be pretty busy mm-hmm. construction wise. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's moving in the right direction. It's It's going to be a fun time down there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, unfortunately, the uh, the parking garage they talked about it opening, you know, with the arena in July. Yeah, um, and then that got pushed back to later on in the year, um, and now they're hoping to open it um, basically after the start of the year. Was the last thing I had heard. Yeah, um, I, I think it's sometime in the uh, yeah. early next, uh, early of twenty four. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Now, one thing we heard recently was the um, I think it was the mayor may have said this at the power breakfast, uh, the city mayor. That they've got, a, they're working on a plan to make sure that they're addressing parking issues, make sure they can get people in and out of downtown, yeah, traffic flow, um, traffic and, flow, all yeah. that stuff. Um, you know, from the get go, from the yeah. day the arena opens. So there, there will be some solutions in place. It's not just going to be a free for all, uh, hopefully. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we'll, it'll be it's going to be great. Yeah. All right, and the second uh, top story for 2022 was getting under a roof goes through the roof. Um, basically Clarksville's housing prices, uh, have just gone up and up and up and they peaked in October at $325,000 median home price in Montgomery County. Wow. Yeah. Um, they dropped a little bit since then, but not by much. Well, I mean, if you're a first time home buyer, I mean, mm-hmm. what kind of income do you got to make to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much did you buy your first home for? $76,000. I think mine was Mm -hmm. $78,000. I mean, home sales were like hot, 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 and then just boom, Mm -hmm. just stopped. Yeah. I I don't mind saying when we moved here in 1999, uh, we bought a house downtown for $120,000. Yeah. And that was in 1999. Yeah. And I think I sold it for like ninety and thought I was rich. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and wow. it's, it's 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 becoming impossible really for a, a new family to to be able to afford a house, which is scary, because that means that people in Clark, you, you'd never want a situation where the people who are living in your community and who are working in your community are living in Stewart County and Christian County mm-hmm. and Robertson County. I mean, that, that's that's not right. We need we need people who work in Clarksville to live in Clarksville. Well, yeah. and that's partly why our housing prices are going up, because they can't live in Nashville anymore. They can't mm-hmm. afford to. Yeah. So they're coming here, which then yeah. it's, you know, we're going to end up, they're going to, people are going to be moving to Dover. Yeah, yeah. 2023 will definitely be an interesting year in the, in the housing market. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it would be nice if the prices would would stabilize and go down a little bit. Um, but, you know, one of the things that needs to happen, and this is unfortunate because, you know, I know a lot of people don't like hearing this, but we need more houses. We need more affordable houses. We need more affordable houses. And, you know, that means we've got to build. And that mm-hmm. means property's got to be rezoned. And That's that right. means farms have got to be turned into subdivisions. But I'll tell you what, if you're listening to this right now, wherever you're living, it used to be a farm. And there was somebody who wasn't happy about mm-hmm. your neighborhood being built where it yeah. is because it was rezoned at some point and turned into a neighborhood. Yeah. And if you own your home, your home's probably worth more than it was five years ago. Yeah, and that's because there's a home shortage. It's called supply and demand. Yep, that's right. 
Yeah. So some good things have come out of a, a lot of this. Um, you know, the uh, the TIF district that they've established mm-hmm. downtown. There's um, there's several TIF districts they're working on, and one of the things that they've wisely done is required that new housing developments be um, ten percent. Ten percent of them be set aside for affordable housing, um, which is good because we don't want to. We well, don't at least be it's a situation. Planned. Yeah, there's a plan. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so hopefully that'll get settled. Uh, and the top story of the year: um, LG Chem electric vehicle battery plant um, coming to Clarksville. That is huge, and I think people underestimate how huge that was. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, if you look at, we made huge hoopla all over the community when Hemlock. Um, opened, we we did made a big deal out of it. Yeah. But look at it in perspective to Hemlock. Um, Hemlock was a $1.2 billion investment. Um, LG Chem, $3.2 billion yeah. investment. Wow. Um, Hemlock was going to bring about 500 workers. LG Chem was going to bring 820 workers. Well, it's also a testament to what they think that the future holds for electric cars and mm-hmm. trucks. Yeah, yeah. And we had yeah. I had a discussion with some folks about this the other day. They were saying, "Well, you know, um, we said we thought the solar uh, power was going to be a big deal, and look at what happened. You know, price of polysilicon dropped, and so they never opened the plant. Well, they opened it and then shortly closed it. Um, you know, the same thing's going to happen with electric vehicle batteries. And I thought, well, you know, what are we what are we going to do? Uh, open a three billion dollar mm-hmm. chicken plant? Open a three billion dollar um, newspaper printing press? I mean." Mm-hmm. We got to invest if we want to be a forward-thinking community and think about what's going to happen 50 years from now, where our kids are going to be working. We've got to make an investment in technologies of the future, and that's right now. That's electric vehicle batteries. Well, and I know that people argue too that well, our electric grid can't support all that. Well, maybe it can't right now, but we're not talking about today. We're talking about 10, 15, 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. People probably said the same thing about gas stations. You know, and in, people in 1910. Yeah, people say, "Oh, well, no one's going <laughs> to buy an electric vehicle because it only go 250, 300 miles." Well, who's to say, like in a later on, it won't be a thousand? That's right. You know, you don't. The technology gets better. It's like the iPhone when it first came out. Definitely didn't have the technology it has today. Right. So right. it will get better and better. The That's technology right. will continue to grow, and it could be. You know, I, I, I I'm not. I don't want an electric car right now. But I'm not going to say 10 years from now, if I can drive to Arkansas mm-hmm. and back without with one charge, that I wouldn't do it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know? And I, I can't afford an electric vehicle right now, but I know that the price on electric vehicles is going to go down over time. As yeah. more and more of them are built, more and more people own them, the price mm-hmm. is going to go down. And people are going to look back on this conversation 10 years from now and say, oh, they thought that electric vehicles were going to cost more. You know, They're going to say, no, electric vehicles, you can buy, anybody can buy an electric vehicle these days. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when television first came out, they said radio would go away, and they said FM radio would never work. Hmm. Wow. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Here we are still today. Here, Here we, we are. are. Here we are. So the cool thing about um, LG Chem is they have basically committed on the low end um, of those 820 workers that the the wages are going to be $24 an hour. And that's not just a promise. That's Mm -hmm. contractual with the state. They're getting a lot of benefits from the state, and they have have said by contract $24 an hour minimum. Um, Cool thing is 200 of those 820 jobs are going to pay in excess of six figures. So just think about where we are now and what we want to be as a community. And the people that you know, the restaurants we have, the people you see at church, we are going to have 200 people in our community going from what they are now or coming in from outside making $100,000 a year plus. That is a dramatic change uh-huh. in the type of salaries 
that people in Montgomery County are making. Mm-hmm. Um, either those are that's money that's going to be going to locals who are going to be getting those jobs, or people moving into our community making that type of money, and that's going to make a big difference. Yeah, yeah, the organic effect of that, because how often do you hear someone say, well, I wish we had a Costco, I wish we had a Trader Joe's. Well, those businesses don't come here because our average income levels are lower. Exactly. So by raising those average incomes, we're going to get those businesses that yep. you want. Mm-hmm. So, that's right. you know, just, uh, just I mean, there might people look at it and they don't understand how that really affects it. But you want a Trader Joe's, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take getting the average income up in the community. Mm-hmm. We're definitely blessed to live in this community so much, so many good things happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I and agree. We take our growth for granted. I mean, I, I was looking at moving at one point to a city in the Midwest and there was, um, there was a job offer there and I was looking at what was going on there and what they could offer. And, and I found that they had closed two schools yeah. because mm-hmm. their population was declining. Uh, I thought, how does a population decline? You know, I mean, that's, yeah, because we, we don't see that. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to imagine. Yeah. But, well, um, it's so happening in some Kentucky towns right now, cities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. People move out because they they need better opportunities. They need yeah. more money. Yeah. Yeah. Look at Cairo, wild. Illinois. It was a thriving river port. Mm-hmm. Now it's a ghost town. Really? Mm hmm. Wow. Yeah. So even though growth brings a lot of challenges, uh, the challenges of not growing or losing population are much, much, much worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's becoming a ghost town, and, and that is so. Growth is a good problem to have. Yep, got to manage it the right way. Wow. Well, Chris, I, personally, I want to thank you for all that you do for Clarksville. Now, um, working with you the past few years has been amazing. I've learned a lot from you. I um, appreciate the the different perspectives, and you just make me think about things. And I want to. Coming in every day and knowing that I get to work with you is a blessing. Thank you. Awesome. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's been a whole heck of a lot of fun. And And it's exciting to work in a digital first environment. Yeah. 2023. We got some cool stuff coming, Charlie. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Me too. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks, Chris. Subscribe to Clarksville's Conversation wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on a single conversation.